0: Thank you for listening to the Faith-Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the sixth Sunday after Trinity, July 11th, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read our Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 15, can be found on page 1428 of your Pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 15. This is what he showed me. Behold, The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword." Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent, Jeroboam king of Isra- sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from this land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm going to try to do this without making a complete and utter fool of myself. And it's only because as an amateur carpenter, I am an especially inept amateur carpenter. So explaining any tools of the trade to you, especially some of you who know what you're talking about, It's kind of a fool's errand from my point, but we're going to go for it anyway. A plumb line is a simple tool. In fact, it's one of the most simple tools that exists. It might not be so common. I talked to at least one person this week who didn't know what a plumb line was, but it's quite simple. All a plumb line really is is any sort of weight attached to a string hung by gravity. That's it. Now, there are some plumb lines that are more technically advanced than others. You can buy a digital plumb line right now at Home Depot. It's actually called that for 15 bucks. Or you can just make one yourself with any weight in a piece of string. The purpose of a plumb line is to find vertical. And this is the great and wonderful thing about science, is any weight suspended from a fixed point, tied to a string, will always, once it is still, show you what true vertical is. It doesn't matter any other circumstance, save for the movement of the weight itself because of wind or something. So, if you've got a weird angle, but you can attach something to a fixed point, the plumb line will always hang at true vertical, regardless of the weird angle. And so this was used, as I understand it, in the ancient world for any number of purposes. You could use a plumb line to find the center of a square area on the ground by drawing a center around it. It can be your fixed point. What God is doing here, what Amos is talking about, is you could attach a plumb line to the top of the wall and dangle it over the side of the wall, and if the wall wasn't vertical, you would know because the bottom of the plumb line would be further away from the wall or closer to the wall than the top of the plumb line. That's basically how it works. This is an incredibly useful and practical tool, especially when it comes to constructing buildings. And this is what makes it so interesting when in our Old Testament lesson from Amos 7, we encounter God among his people with the plumb line. What is he doing? Why is he doing it? And what should the church of today take from God's plumb line in Amos' subsequent interaction with Amaziah the priest? Let's take a look at God's plumb line. The first thing we learn from Amos is that God's plumb line is real. This is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall with a plumb line, and the plumb line was in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Now, as a parent... I would like to adopt God's disciplinary ability here. Because God does this marvelous thing with the prophets, is that he holds in front of a prophet just a simple object, and he asks the most obvious question in the world. What do you see? So he's holding a plumb line. I see a plumb line. It happens in other cases. Every time God asks a prophet what they see, it's always obvious. There's never anything hidden. There's never any ulterior motive. What do you see? Well, I see a bowl of fruit that's act, that actually happens in the Bible. God talks about the bowl of fruit. Now here he's talking about a plumb line. But here's the thing. When God shows us something obvious in his word, when God shows his prophet something obvious, he's going to have something very profound to say. So sure, God has a plumb line. But what he's doing? What is he doing with it? God is among his people and he's measuring them to see if they're true. In short, God is among his people with a very simple tool doing the work of the law. There's two things we need to realize as God does this action. First, in utilizing the plumb line, we must identify here that God himself is the fixed point in the vertical standard. That's the true that God is comparing everyone else to. Just as a plumb line hung from anything always points true vertical, so it is with God. Anything compared to God will be compared to something or someone that is perfectly upright perfectly vertical, perfectly holy. God isn't using some arbitrary standard. He's using Himself. And in doing that, what God finds as He measures His people, including us today, is that we are not true. As far as we relate to God, as the standard of true vertical, as the standard of true holiness, what we will find is like a poorly built wall, we are bent in every which way except toward God. We're not square. We're not true. We're not vertical. And as God specifically applies this lesson to His people Israel in the Old Testament, what we are being taught through Amos is that this is what idolatry looks like. Being bent away from God toward something else. But importantly for us, who might think that we don't struggle with idolatry as they did in the Old Testament, this is what all sin looks like being bent away from God and towards something else, towards our own desires. And so we ought to be paying attention because when God promises to destroy the idolatrous places and practices of the Israelites, what He's really doing is He's talking about us in our sin. God, in His holiness, in His position as true north, if you will, cannot tolerate unholiness he cannot abide by it he cannot exist with sin he doesn't let it slide and he will not ignore it our sin makes him angry and severs our fellowship with him the fact of the matter is for God to identify something as true something as holy it's very simple and easy for him to do because the standard is always the same. This is what makes the next part of Amos 7 so incredibly striking. Because we learn in Amos' interaction with Amaziah that God's plumb line causes offense. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and is the temple of the kingdom. Something very interesting has happened here in Amaziah's speech. Amos' vision of God and of the plumb line was the straw that broke the camel's back for Amaziah the priest. Amos's vision in preaching of the vision of the plumb line sent Amaziah over the edge. He'd had enough of all this bad news. And we would expect Amaziah to say something like this. Give me some good news. What you're saying isn't true. You're not being honest in what you're saying, Amos. Tell us the truth about who we are. Stop pointing out the negative. But Amaziah doesn't once contradict Amos' message. He says it's too much for the land to bear. He doesn't deny who Amos Amos says the Israelites are, who God says the Israelites are. He just doesn't like it. So the real offense here isn't Amos' preaching against sin. The real offense for Amaziah and for all people in their sin is that we aren't the standard. We don't get to decide what holy is. And so think about it. If we, if we go back to the plumb line illustration, it would look something like this for all of us. God is hanging the plumb line, and it's perfectly straight, and it shows the wall of the structure that we've built of our lives kind of teetering off like this. I, uh, the, the most common place I see something like this happen is if you've ever been driving through suburban America and see a poorly constructed retaining wall. Right? It, the, the thing looks like the week. In fact, right next door to my house, at the church next door to our house, they, they tried to build a retaining wall down the driveway onto the main avenue, and, and the land must be shifted or whatever, but the, the, the wall is leaning forward like this. And when we walk to Walgreens or to Dairy Queen from my house, I don't let the kids walk on that wall anymore because I feel like the whole thing just going to go right into the driveway, Okay that's what the situation is with God holding his plumb line up. I mean, you don't even really need a plumb line to tell how bad the walls are in our lives sometimes, right? But what we want to do is we want to take the plumb line from God and we don't want to affix it to one point. We want to affix it to two points. So it's like taking the plumb line, you hold the top and you hold the bottom at exactly the angle the wall is leaning at. You say, look, perfectly straight, That's what we want to do in our sin. We kind of always want to move the goalposts to really mix all kinds of metaphors with what we're doing. We don't want a standard because we want to be the standard. So guess what? If you stand sideways like this, a crooked wall is going to look perfect. You you can do that sort of thing in uh, San Francisco with all the slanted lines. If you stand sideways, you can make the road look level. But it's still not level. If we adjust the standard, if we skew the perspective, if we reduce God's holiness into something that we can do, nothing has actually changed. The reality of our sin and how it compares to something good and healthy and true has not changed. We've just. Adjusted the angle of our view. We've just taken the plumb line and we've moved it over to make the standard. This is exactly what Amos or Amaziah is doing in his interaction with Amos. Go preach in Judah. Go eat there. Your law will be received there, but not here. We have a different law. When we react, when we bristle, when we chafe at God's law, whether it's being delivered from Scripture or be- being delivered from Scripture by someone else, we are turning ourselves into Amaziah. God's holiness is a threat to our holiness. God's righteousness is a threat to our righteousness. But more importantly and more directly to our situation, God's sovereignty is a threat to our sovereignty. So what's the answer to all of this? But maybe even more importantly, what's God's answer to all of this? What we learn from Amos' last words in this section is that God's plumb line is a necessity. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Amos' answer to Amaziah is incredibly instructive how we respond to our own sinfulness and struggle against our own sin. Basically, Amos says to Amaziah, Look, man, I didn't choose to do this. This wasn't my idea. This is what the Word of God says and I'm compelled to speak it. We're left at the end of this exchange maybe having Amaziah ask the question, why? Why are you so compelled to speak this message? And that's what takes us back to the plumb line. Because it's true. That's why we speak the Word of God. That's why we apply the Word of God. Because it's true. So now here's a question for reflection for all of you right now. Is that where you stand with the Word of God right now? It's hard enough to stand for the Word of God in a community and in a culture that doesn't value the truth and even and often is offended by the truth. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the world beyond the walls of this church right now. We're talking about you and God personally. Are you in a place right now where you are willing to let God's Word speak truth about your sin into your ears and into your mind and into your heart? An honest answer from any one of us will likely be yes and no. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is so, so weak. As Christians, we want God to speak truth to us. As sinners, we cower at the truth. We shun the truth. We flee from the truth. And so the reality is for us right here and right now, we need the plumb line of God's Word. We need the plumb line of God's Word not only to identify our sin, not only to identify how far bent away we are from true vertical, But we also need God's plumb line because it delivers to us the lifeline of the gospel. God, in His absolute truth, hates sin. He condemns it. He judges it. He even executes punishment against it. But God, in His absolute truth, does something else about our sin. He dies for it. He takes care of our sin to the point that it no longer belongs to us. It belongs to Jesus. And the great and glorious news of the Gospel is not that God tolerates our sin or ignores our sin or somehow has lowered His standards about our sin. The great and glorious news of the Gospel is that God has taken care of our sin so that it is no more. And in doing so, God is still there, measuring us with His plumb line. But as God's plumb line, His Word evaluates us by God's standard, God evaluates us by the standard of Jesus Christ in our place. The message of the Gospel isn't just that God has forgiven your sins. He has, and it's awesome but that might leave us with the notion that we still need to figure it out. That we're starting with a clean slate, but every time we sin, it's going to jeopardize where we stand with God. No. The message of the gospel is also that you are considered holy by God Because Jesus stands in your place. You are covered with Christ's holiness. When God hangs His plumb line next to you, you who have been baptized into Christ, you who have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, you who have been washed in His blood, stand true. That plumb line hanging perfectly vertically next to you. Because Jesus stands true. And that leaves us with one last effect of God's plumb line. Since we no longer cower away from the measurement of the law, and since we no longer run away from God's holiness, we can stand there to trace that plumb line all the way back to its source, back to that fixed point, and it directs us back to who God is. This allows us to see the law not as a threat, but as a guide which reveals God's character and His will for His life. It turns out that that plumb line is also an indication of how God wants us to lead our lives. You ever want to know what God's will is for your life? It's kind of simple. Don't have any other gods. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet. These are the boundaries God gives for us as we love our neighbor, and they are God's will for our life. But in being directed back to God and to His holiness, it also reminds us that the God who is holy, the God who is perfect, the God who is almighty, is the same God who pours out the gospel. And it's there, in our Christian faith, that we realize God's plumb line, His Word, His law, is not given to smite us. The end of God's law, the goal of God's law, isn't to leave us in shame. It's to lead us to repentance. And in repenting, God will always meet you with the Gospel. In repenting, God will always forgive. In repenting, God will always have Christ stand in your place next to that plumb line. And in repenting, God will always receive, always adopt, and always save. And that's why even though they weren't a part of our Old Testament lesson this morning, Amos has wonderful words right after that. Verse 16 simply says, the start of verse 16 simply says this Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You know what? Every time you hear the word of the Lord, whether it's good news or bad news, it's always going to end with Christ being delivered for your forgiveness and God saving you. Amen. And now, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.